REC, the Racial Equity Champions Network, Part 2. Featuring Dr. Mairead Corrigan, Sharice Henry and Dr. Iklas El-Karim of the School of Medicine, Dentistry and Biomedical Sciences. With Dr. Magdalena Roklovska and Dr. Patty O'Connor of the School of Psychology. My name is Mairead Corrigan. I'm from the School of Medicine, Dentistry and Biomedical Sciences. I'm a senior lecturer in the Centre for Medical Education, where I'm also the academic lead for equality, diversity and inclusion, and I'm also a member of the Racial Equity Champions Network. My name is Paddy O'Connor. I'm a lecturer in education at the School of Psychology. Um, I'm of mixed Irish and Zambian descent. Um, I'm the co-champion for equity, diversity and inclusion within the School of Psychology and I'm also one of the champions on the Racial Equity Network. My name is Magdalena Narkowska, I'm Polish, I'm a carer, I'm a lecturer at the School of Psychology and together with Paddy uh, I co-direct the group for equity, diversity and inclusion in the School of Psychology. I'm also a member of the Racial Equity Network at Queen's. Uh, I am Klaas Al Karim. Uh, I am a clinical reader and a consultant in restorative dentistry. Uh, at the clinical academic, I work. Uh, um, my work is divided between the center of dentistry, where I do uh, my clinical, uh, my my teaching and, and clinical uh, care for the patients, and also I'm affiliated to the center uh, of experimental medicine, where I do my research. Uh, I am the EDI lead for the center of dentistry, and I'm also. Uh, Eric Chambion in the School of Medicine, Dentistry and Biomedical Science. My name is Cherise Henry. I'm from the School of Medicine. I'm currently a fifth year medical student. I was previously a part of the CME Equality, Diversity and Inclusion um, Working Group, and I'm also a fifth year representative for the Northern Ireland Medical School Committee. A student perspective. So initially I got involved with the Equality and Diversity Inclusion Working Group because Dr. Corrigan, she sent out an email um, to all students asking students who would like to be involved to just have conversations to see what more the Center of Medical Education could do to support students, not only minority students but also students from other like minority groups such as um, LGBTQ+, and also those who are um, like sexism or any sort of things that they may have been experiencing and let us basically come out and tell the school what we would like them to do because it also came on the backdrop of Black Lives Matter during that um, previous time where there was a bit of, you know, students were a bit upset, especially minority students concerning where does the school stand in supporting students. So it was it was a great relief to see that the school was quite interested in hearing our concerns. Academic Leads My role as Academic Lead for Equality, Diversity and Inclusion um, came about after the General Medical Council, who are our regulatory body, um, visited us in 2017 and um, they recognised that while EDI was um, you know, in the curriculum that it, you know, more needed to be done in terms of diversifying the curriculum. And um, so I was appointed um, in the role as EDI lead to kind of lead on that. And since then, uh, there have been a number of um, guidance documents produced by um, organisations like the British Medical Association. Um, which um, 
provides guidance for medical schools um, in addressing racial harassment. So as a medical school, we signed up to the BMA Charter to um, you know, protect against racial harassment. And Charisse um, you know, was a member of that working group uh, to implement that charter. Um, so I suppose that has kind of very much um, influenced what we've been doing in the medical school. So there were four recommendations from the BMA Charter. Um, the one of those was um, to you know encourage students to report when they do experience racism. Um, and um, so in, in the medical school, we um, are piloting at the moment in year four anonymous reporting to encourage students to report if they experience racism or, or any um, you know, discriminatory behaviours um, on campus, but on clinical placement. Because we also did a survey um, to um, identify your know, students' experiences of bullying, harassment and racism. And we find that um, this was more likely to happen on clinical placement. Um, so we're providing support there for students. Um, and also, we're also piloting some pastoral support in one of the trusts um, to support students who do experience racism and any other discrimination while on placement. Um, and um, so that those have been recent initiatives this year. Uh, and that's been led by a couple of clinicians in, in one of the trusts as well. Um, and then another thing that we've done in response to the BMA Charter is we um, have been rolling out active bystander training again to encourage students um, you know, to stand up for each other if they do witness or experience um, you know, racism and, and discriminatory behaviour. And that active bystander training was developed by, in relation with students and Charisse, you are a member um, of that group. We met online during COVID, um, you know, with group with students across years one to five. And as a result of those meetings, we developed the active bystander training then. So that's rolled out. Um, and um, and then we're also you know diversifying the curriculum as well and working with students to do that. EDI, equality, diversity and inclusion. Uh, my uh, really involvement and motivation uh, for EDI is personal. Uh, I am a woman and a woman of color uh, and so uh, using uh, my background and also my experience uh, my experience with the positive and negatives of it, uh, I am currently working really to try to help implement, uh, develop and implement uh, EDI within my workplace. I currently am the EDI lead for dentistry. Uh, our program of work is really at the beginning, we are in the early stages. Uh, we have just developed um, or established our uh, EDI committee. Uh, we got help and support from um, and, uh, Marie because she's, she's ahead of us uh, in this process. Uh, we have outlined our um, terms and conditions for the committee. The committee is made up of staff and students. Uh, we have the agenda really uh, and plans uh, that are uh, aiming uh, for simple things like, for example, raising awareness, but also we have plans uh, for how we can, fac can facilitate uh, decolonization or de uh, diversifying uh, the curriculum in all the modules that are taught in dentistry. So it is still a work in progress, but we have started, we have developed and uh, established the committee and we are hoping uh, to see uh, our plans uh, in uh, the outcome of our plans in the near future. Working as a team. And Dr. Cargan, she was great at 
she basically put us all into groups and subgroups and then we all just wrote all the things that we wish the school could have done and she took upon all of those suggestions she went with the central medical education and she saw where they could help things that may take a bit more longer to be implemented but certain things such as like the bystander training in which a lot of the students really wanted um, I found that that was quite amazing to see that they took students' ideas on, they developed the plan, and then it was sort of started to be rolled out, especially with the first year and second year students. Because me especially, I found that a lot of my medical school um, colleagues would like to help out when it comes to racial um, discrimination, but they aren't quite equipped to know what to say, what to do, what could be helpful or what would actually be offensive. So it was a great start. And then it also showed where we basically could work together as a team, especially with having counselors in place with the pilot that they did because we also expressed that. There are oftentimes students would experience discrimination, but they will often rely on their like minority colleagues to talk with and having someone who especially the senior where they can just go to and just basically talk about it even if they don't want it to be something that is reported but just get it off their chest. So having these um, pilots being implemented was really like a breath of fresh air to see that the school is actually trying as best as they can to support us. So it has been like a great experience just walking along with the team and Dr. Cargan. Facing the challenges so I'm originally from the Caribbean, so Caribbean developments is quite different. Um, culture-wise, I felt like it's a bit similar in terms of people being friendly towards one another, but it's quite different because I find that here it's usually people, they already know each other and they already form like their own groups, especially coming out of Sixth Farm. A lot of the, for example, in medicine, they all know each other, so they tend to stick with each other. And for myself and a lot of other students who are not from Northern Ireland, we found it to be very hard to sort of integrate. So it's not as if people don't want to speak with you and it's not that they don't want to communicate, but it's sort of beyond the you know, superficial friendliness. It doesn't really go beyond that to like develop strong friendships. And this has really been something a lot of the international students would have said. And you would find that even within the groups, all the international students would stick together, even if they come from different countries. But it's just because it's so hard to form those stronger bonds. And I don't feel like the students here are intentionally doing that. I feel like it's possibly just how the culture is. Like once you know someone, you stick with that group until you guys, you know, you guys just for generations and generations until you grow old, you will have that same friendship group. Um, but other than that, I feel like in terms of being accepted in the general Belfast area has been good for most people. We would find that some of the students would have experienced a lot of discrimination. Um, I feel like it's more so when they go out to, let's say, peripheral hospitals and in those regions where they may not have as much diversity, it is a bit harder for them because then they will be 
ask questions such as like where are you from where are you really from and <laughs> and people may or may not have seen someone of a different skin tone for example my first first experience in a peripheral um trust hospital was when a patient has never seen a black person so a patient was very like very like your skin tone it was very like oh it it was sort of like it's in that situation where it's the balance between racism and curiosity and people just being inquisitive. But sometimes for me personally, because I grew up in the Caribbean, I was raised there, I only moved away for tertiary education. So my self-esteem was mostly based on not my skin tone because everyone looked like me. So it wasn't something that was like, I didn't have much attention on my skin tone. So now coming here, in these countries where I'm now the minority, where I previously was a majority, it's it takes you back a little bit. But for me personally, it hasn't harmed me as much because my self-esteem was basically formed before I moved. But then in comparison to a lot of my colleagues who, you know, they came to either these places when they were younger or they were born here, it kind of takes them back because it's something that they constantly go through so it's sort of like a repetitive trauma so you often find like every time they experience it it takes them back a bit and they're often more or less traumatized and that's why we really wanted a counselor in the, especially in CME I mean, I know there's counselors here at the school at large, but a counselor from a minority group was one that we really felt like we needed because there were a lot of students that just needed someone to talk to. They needed someone who would have basically understand the profession, medicine, and someone who looked like them so that they don't have to explain why the microaggressions affected them the way it has. And yeah, so that's mainly one, one of the reasons why we like the pilot and we hope that in the future it would be something that all the trust would have and the CME on a whole would have someone that students could just go to and talk to because it's really impacting a lot of the students currently. Difference as a strength. It is good really to hear it from students' perspectives and someone who is younger, of course, uh, than us. And I think it's for staff, it might be a little bit different because you come in as material person, you already uh, sort of come with, as you said, the built-in confidence in yourself and, in, and your ability. And as I mentioned earlier, that um, my interest in this whole ADI is really personal because I am different and I am using this difference as a strength and presenting myself. I am different, I am unique, and I am doing something maybe is not available for the majority of, of, of the people here. So taking it from that perspective and thinking of yourself, you are in a strength position, position, not a weakness position, then it makes a big difference the whole way you look at it. So to, for me, I think that have help, has um, helped me a lot throughout my career. It empowered me uh, feeling that I am different, I am providing something different, I am unique. And if you get in yourself into that mentality, I think it will help you settle and help you feel in your side, yourself, you are valued from your inside and then automatically you feel that you will be valued uh, by the people surrounding you. So I, ask, I think um, 
living here in Belfast for more than 20 years, uh, I'd indicate maybe that I have settled very well and I didn't find any issues, otherwise I wouldn't be here for more than 20 years, I think, in Northern Ireland. Mm -hmm. The need for students um, you know, to have pastoral support, to, to have someone that they can talk to if they experience racism or, you know, discrimination. Um, I mean, that was uh, very much brought out by the BMA Charter, but again, it very much came out from like our survey that, that we did among the students as well, um, that students would have relied on friends and family um, to confide, um, and, and they were unlikely to report to the medical school if they did experience racism or discrimination, um, because there is a fear of repercussions from clinical staff um, who are you know, supervising their training. Um, and also students found as well that they weren't quite sure if the incidents they were experiencing were serious enough. So as Charisse mentioned, you know, people just, you know, asking you where you're from or, um, and, you know, which we now, you know, know is like a microaggression, but students are, um, it's usually, um, you know, kind of like a, a pattern then as students realize, you know, that, that you know, um, that it, it's, it's the impact that, that it has for students really. So, but, um, yeah, so they were unsure whether, you know, to report something like that. Um, and, um, and so students, um, on the back of the active bystander training, I mean, I've been meeting with different groups of students from different protected characteristics. And they've also been talking about, you know, having peer support because we are working towards identifying staff in the medical school to provide the pastoral support for students who do want to talk, you know, about experiences of racism and discrimination. Um, but at the moment then, um, uh, over the summer, I've worked with students in developing um, a workshop uh, for students from who are from Black, Asian, minority ethnic groups to provide peer support to one another. Um, and um, so that's something that we're hoping to roll out to students like next um, year. Um, and as well, um, um, you know, like the experiences that Sharice has been talking about, um, I do feed that into training as well that I deliver to um, our examiners for um, OSCEs, which is Objective Structured Clinical Examinations. Um, so they're um, clinicians who would examine, um, you know, students and doing like clinical role plays and also our simulated patients um, as well, um, so that they're aware of, you know, what microaggressions are and, um, so that kind of, um, I very much use the students' experience and, and you know, integrate that into training. And then what Charisse was saying about, um, you know, local students kind of very much, you know, you know keeping to themselves. Um, I mean, the role of social capital and social networks has found to be, you know, really um, important um, in helping to explain, you know, the awarding gap that exists among Black, Asian, minority ethnic students across all universities. Um, and, you know, we also have that, um, the awarding gap exists within the medical schools as well. So um, we're, you know, kind of looking at that. Um, we, when we're looking at um, assessments, um, we're looking at students' protected characteristics to see is there a difference in how students from different protected characteristics are performing in written exams as well as the OSCE clinical stations. Um, and um, we are going to be piloting something next year as well to try to, you know, 
provide more support um, you know, for students um, who you know, are at risk um, or who are experiencing you know, the awarding gap. A brighter future? You know, mentally, I'm, I'm pretty sure you guys know better than me, mentally the effects of racism, especially on a growing child and as they reach into adulthood. So recognizing where people are at that place and then also still having a bit of grace for those who aren't really up to speed as yet with knowing that they are harming others. We may at some point, if people are willing to change and if people are willing to try to live and live harmoniously with the community, we may at some point reach a stage where we all could just, we disagree, we have a conversation, we discuss why it's offensive, we discuss how we can make things better and right or wrong and hopefully we can get there at some point. It is always, um, people always talk about, oh, this is, this is, this is, this is our issue, this is our problems. Yes, there is always going to be issues and problems, uh, regardless uh, with whether it is ADI or, or other issues. But as long as the people start together and do something about it and work for it. And I think this work now, the RIC network, uh, the RIC uh, network work now is the first step in the right direction. And hopefully with the effort and the plans and, 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 and the, the, the program that is going to be uh, uh, developed and implemented, we can see the solution for all the problems that we are talking about today. So the future is bright. In the next episode... So Magda and I, um, we both lead um, our school's equity, diversity and inclusion group. Um, and it was really set up on the back of a lot of the great work that our SWAN committee uh, does. It took us some time to accept that uh, decolonizing and diversifying the curriculum just takes time and it's only now after extensive training that we start to notice some patterns and think about potential solutions or change uh, to be made in the future. With thanks to Dr. Maria Corrigan, Sharice Henry and Dr. Iklas El-Karim of the School of Medicine, Dentistry and Biomedical Sciences. In the next episode, Dr. Magdalena Raklovska and Dr. Paddy O'Connor of the School of Psychology. For more on the REC network, visit go.qub.ac.uk slash rec network. And for more on the Charter Podcast, visit go.qub.ac.uk slash charter podcast and follow us on social media at QUB Engagement.